0: DCTV podcast episode twenty one. We are now legal, guys. It's awesome. Let's go drink tonight on the show. We only have one episode uh, of DCTV to cover. It's the latest episode of Gotham called "Everyone Has a Cobblepot," which sounds weirdly like uh, some you know commercial from the '50s or whatever. And also tonight we're going to be talking about the uh, the Rachel Ghoul uh, two parter from the Batman animated series, the Demon's Quest. Uh, not only because it covers Batman, as in Gotham and DC, but also because of a lot of the, the story beats that, that are in that story that is lifted from the, the comic pretty, pretty expressly. Uh, ended up in Arrow this season, and we're going to talk about that. Plus, I think I'd like to chew the fat, too, about Gotham, uh, what, what, kind of maybe giving it, a, you know, maybe a letter grade. Uh, you know, as we go into the break here, like how we feel, we like what we like, what we don't like, that kind of thing, because it's definitely been a mixed bag for the whole ride, I think. But anyway, let me uh, introduce to you uh, Dr. Dahlmacher's personal salsa coach, uh, Mr. Daryl Taylor. Hello. From the uh, Taylor Network of Podcasts. Well, and of course, the Nanda uh, the nondeparabot Amway representative, Mr. Richard Sheldon.
1: You want to buy some shampoo?
0: That's got to be good shampoo for Rachel Ghoul. Because he's got a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of curls. But anyway, uh, as I said, we are gonna we only have the one episode to talk about tonight. Everyone has a cobble pot. Um, it's, uh, before we get into the game the granular with the episode, how do you guys feel about Gotham so far? I mean, I know we've talked about things we like, things we don't like, um, kind of, you know, the, the dynamics. I mean, we've all been pretty down on the Fish Mooney character and, 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 and her whole storyline. Uh, I, I certainly have to agree going into this. Um, I'm personally, I think when they focus on like the, the urban crime drama of it, when it's more like the shield or like the Sopranos or something like that, I I seem to like it more than when we get kind of the weird and goofy stuff. Like we got in this episode or in the balloon man episode, um, there was an interesting article I posted on DC TV podcast, Facebook group, which by me, all means, if you're listening to this, you should uh, join right now, um, asking if Gotham maybe was the prequel to, uh, the Batman 66, uh, show just because it has like kind of gone off the rails in goofy ways recently um what do you i i probably would give it like overall a c like i kind of feel like the show's a wash overall like the stuff i don't like about it's kind of balanced out by the stuff i do i mean what do you guys think
2: i i would give it a, a little bit higher i give it a b minus for me um because I, I do really enjoy the the alfred and the 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 Bruce Wayne stuff and I, I really enjoy the uh, the um, Jim Gordon and um, Bullock, uh, Bullock and, and just the dealing with the police force I like that stuff I, I do definitely love the Fish Mooney I've, I can, that could be washed away and I could never think about it again and be fine um, plus the, the Penguin stuff you know is really good and, and, and since we've gotten good news I hope that uh about what what'll be next season won't be there next season. That that might be. Uh, well, there's no
0: need to tiptoe around it. We got news this week that Jada pickett Smith is only going to be on the first season of Gossip on the Gotham and on the second. Yeah, so that's yeah. kind of telegraphing. It's kind of telegraphing what's going to happen to her character, though.
2: Yeah, it is. It is, and I I would hope, but I kind of we all kind of thought that though. What was the one character that didn't fit in the in this entire show? And we you know
0: we all thought it was Fish Mooney.
2: So it, it almost
0: feels like not even, not even now her character doesn't fit, but like her st- whole storyline doesn't fit. Just didn't fit. It, just, like, it didn't. Yeah, like the the whole like Dalmacher Frankenstein stuff going on in mm-hmm. this little evil island out there in the bay or whatever. And it's like a different show. It is. It's, it's like, like a, it's, it's like American Horror show. Story or something. You know.
1: Yeah. Um, it it gave me flashes of Doctor of uh, uh, the Island of Doctor Monroe. I can't talk, but you know what I'm saying.
0: Doctor Moreau.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, I really
2: did. I, like, I, I just kept questioning, what are they doing with her? What do they do? What are they doing with her? Because after she was taken out, um, I was done. I mean, I, I thought that that was the point of her character was to, for Penguin to have somebody that he would have to get the upper hand over, and he did it. So, uh, you know, after that, it seemed like there seems to be no other purpose
1: for her character to be on the show. I have to say, if we're giving it a letter grade for the entire first season so far, I'm right there at like a C-plus to B-minus range, right in that same area, for mostly the same reasons that Daryl's talking about. I mean, but we have so many little plot threads and things that we're, you know, are we going to get answers to everything, or is it going to be satisfying? I mean... You know, there's the Wayne murders. I don't think that'll be solved, but you, you got the fish Mooney return. Hopefully that's going to be wrapped up at, by the end of the season with, based on that news, um, Falcone's reassertion of his position and the dismal failure of penguins nightclub, that whole deal. Cause I think that that's going to, I think fish is going to show up right as Falcone starts getting kind of tired of penguin and his shenanigans. Um, you know, so I mean, well, I mean, the, you're forgetting, you're that. also, you're forgetting the subplot with Loeb and Flass, which was really a big deal in this right.
0: episode. The subplot with Nygma, uh, the subplot with Jim and, and the uh, and Tompkins, you know, the medical examiner. I mean, this show has a lot of moving parts, and mm-hmm. I, I really feel like if they were to simplify and just focus on two or three main storylines, with maybe just occasionally a dash here and a dash there of other things, like the enigma thing could be like one every once every three or four episodes even the bruce wayne storyline you know until he just heated up recently could you know could check in with bruce like every few episodes you know i just think it needs to really yeah kind of focus you know it just seems like it's kind of all over the place i mean one minute it's a gripping sopranos like gotham centralish crime drama the other moment it's like uh you know, it's like a Kelly Jones, uh, phantasmagorical version of American Horror Story in Gotham. You know, and the tone is all over the place. I mean, I just really wish they'd pick a pick a road and take it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm.
2: Well, I really hope that they kind of would respond to uh, the criticisms of the show because I think the same. I think most of the people that really like the show like the same things. You know, what I mean, in Jim and and the the thing about the police and and uh penguins uh you know journey to become the kingpin pretty much i think that's the stuff that people it sticks with people the most and i think the other stuff that just didn't didn't work with people like the way that um barbara is written and the way that uh the way that they show the the weird characters i would say the the weird and kooky stuff they keep throwing in here and the stuff that just the the fish mooney stuff i think that that's the stuff that people are not really happy with. And I think that that, those parts of the show, I think now that they um, now that they're done, you know, now they're done with this season, they can look at and kind of cut away from, you know, cut away with, do away with and and concentrate on the the thing, the other things that are what people like the most. I hope.
1: I really hope. Well, the fish... Stuff wrapping up is going to be a big part of improving the letter grade into season two. I mean, I think that you know, while there's been some ridiculousness in some of the other story uh, plot lines, um, that one's the biggest detractor of all. And yeah, I, I don't know. I just I'm looking forward to who maybe, like you said, they'll learn from their mistakes from Season 1, they'll figure out what works, reviewing everything, and maybe Season 2 will have a much better overall story arc.
0: Well, let's, uh, let's go ahead and talk about this episode then. As I said, every, everyone has a Cobblepot air date, March uh, 2nd, uh, 2015. Uh, it starts with Alfred in the, uh, the hospital, for still recovering from a stab wound from Reggie last episode, and uh, Jim is you know, paying a visit but gets called away on business. Uh, Alfred uh, won't give up Reggie because you know snitches get stitches, as he says.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but Alfred tries to get out of bed, and, like rips out his IV, and Bruce orders him back into bed because he's clearly too, still too injured to move, too weak. Another hospital scene: we see Fish waking up uh, and meeting Doctor Dolmacher. Uh, he's you know very jovial and friendly man. Uh, it's is a pleasure to meet her. Uh, she offers to be his right hand man. Um she uses Falcone as a reference, <laughs> but uh, yeah. he has no idea who that is. so he's not impressed. But then she you know says that you know better better having her as a friend than an enemy. He tells her that they'll talk after she eats, and that they, he's sorry they couldn't match the original color and they gave her a new eye. This one's bright blue. Harvey Dent arrives on the, um, the precinct of the newspaper. Um, the charges against Flas have been dropped, even though they had Flass print on the gun. Uh, then says it's all political and Loeb is going to give Flass a promotion and the presidentship of the GCPD, uh, union. Uh, Jim is disgusted and storms right out, right into Flass, who invites him to his promotion party, uh, being the big douchebag that he is, of course, and uh, compares himself to a rising phoenix. I thought that was a really weird line. Yeah. Uh, Jim confronts Loeb, he doesn't, uh, you know, tells him that Flass is murdering, he's a bad cop. Loeb doesn't care. He shows him video of Harvey Bullock confessing that he put false evidence against Flask. And that's the, uh, that's the mystery testimony that's putting you know, Flask back on the street. Uh, Jim confronts Harvey, and Harvey explains to him that he had to do it because everyone in the GCPD has a cobblop, has a, you know, a, a skeleton in his closet, something that Loeb has to hold over him. You know, uh, Harvey killed a mobster. Because he was told to, just like Jim was earlier in the season, and Loeb has a uh, hold over him. So that's why he had to do it. Enigma goes to Miss Kringle and tells her fun facts about bodily fluids in an awkward way to get information from her about Flask, whom she dated. Um, she says she knows there are now far better men in the world than Flask, like hinting that Enigma might be one of them. Or so Enigma thinks. Or so Enigma thinks. Yeah. Uh, Jim goes to Dent to explain how Loeb uses dirt on cops, businessmen, and politicians to exert influence. Uh, evidently, there's a, a big master file somewhere. Which, you know what? I didn't understand this. Why would. I, I don't understand how like all that could be in a file somewhere. You know what I mean? Like all the yeah. evidence that would hold all these cops bound to him. And uh, uh, I don't know. It just seemed kind of weird. The Dent and, and, uh, and Gordon interrogate Griggs, who used to be Loeb's partner back when he was a cop. And Greg sends them on a wild goose chase to a Chinese uh, bookie named Shilu. They they then cut back to Fish. Uh, She tells Dr. Dolmacher she likes the new eye. They have a talk about her working for him. And she says, you know, she'll return to the basement, give him back his guard, and then keep the organs coming. And then uh, if she fails, she asks what happens if she fails. And we see the office manager from last episode horrifically uh, um, malformed with, like, fake breasts and a woman's leg and arm, but on backwards.
1: A sight, one that you can't unsee, and two was, that was one of the most ridiculous things that this show has shown.
0: Yep, that's where it jumped the shark for me, right there. That spot, I'm just like, okay, I really no longer care about this now. Yeah, you could just I kill I mean, there's no reason. Yeah, that you
2: exactly. Just, you're going
0: to kill them anyway, because they're body parts. All you're doing is keeping them apart, so. Why would you waste all those prime body parts that you're using and selling to rich people? Right, it makes no sense. Just to exact revenge on somebody, you know.
1: I was going to say, what I want to know is is who anywhere in the bottom of that area, in the top, anywhere, who has a reason to keep her alive? That's what I was about to say. You know, know, I mean, she, the Do- Dollmacher doesn't need to keep her. No. You know, uh, uh, the people down below after what she pulls when she first shows back up, have no reason to keep her. I just uh, her character
3: just
2: yeah.
1: blows my you mind. Just go in there, it, it break them in
2: two seconds. You go in there and just start shooting the first ten people I see, and just keep
0: going. It's <laughs> it's well, like this is it's, what we said last week. She has no leverage at no, all. No leverage, none. And, and no like no worry. way, you know, there is nothing that she has to offer really.
2: No. None at all. Like, if he had a daughter or something and they kidnapped the daughter, okay, he got something. Like, if he, you know, that was, if they were a way they got to her. But there's nothing there that he values enough. He doesn't even value his own people that much.
1: Uh, The other captives had had somewhat of a uh, bit of respect for her. And we're looking to her to be kind of the savior. But then when she shows back up down there, lets the dude go and then says, you know, you, you and you, you're going. And basically they're going to have organs harvested. It's like, if I, the rest of that group should have just been like, uh, F this and just attacked her right there. I just, I don't, I I, I don't understand. She she does not hold anything menacing enough to where,
2: no, why do you In get any the situations?
1: situations girl? Yeah, I just I don't know, I don't know. It's it's ridiculous, and I'll just be. I, I could have sworn I remember reading when before mm-hmm. the whole series began that Jada Pinkett Smith was gonna only be on like five or six episodes. So I was really looking forward to her being gone quickly, and now I just you know. Luckily with that news, it looks like by the end of the season we'll be done with her, but I'm hoping we're done, like she's killed off or something like that, not she disappears and then sometime in the middle of next season or, you know, season three, season four, she suddenly pops back up. I'm hoping that this whole part of the storyline that's going on right now is just getting the doll maker introduced into Gotham mythology.
0: I will. I will totally forgive it all, if there's a big payoff involving the penguin and cannibalism, where he gives off the 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 the, uh, the catchphrase. Do you know what penguins eat? <laughs> Fish. Yeah. I, I, I will forgive sorry. all if that happens. That. But that would be the only way. Don't <laughs> left, so not, I don't know how they're gonna wrap it up because they certainly
2: don't have many episodes left
0: to do. No, they don't. Um, We cut back to Bruce reading to Alfred in the hospital and uh, Kat shows up asks if he Mm -hmm. needs help and uh, he says no, he doesn't want anyone else to get hurt and she says that he knows how to find her and leaves. Um, Jim and Dent go to see Shilu under a Chinese restaurant and they get chased out by a bunch of crazy Asian dudes in suits with knives. Mm -hmm. Not one of them had a gun, huh? Yeah, exactly. All those guys, I'm just like, wait a minute, there's like 20 dudes. Not one would have a gun to, to protect. I don't know. Okay. It turns out to be a wild goose chase, and uh, Bullock uh, busts through a fence with his giant uh, car and uh, helps him escape. Um, they end up uh, taking Griggs out for a ride on the pavement, uh, hanging his head out the door of the car, and Griggs admits that uh, Loeb is in with Falcone, but they're crazy to go after him uh harvey's inclined to get uh, agree with griggs but who would talk who's that close to falcone and uh gordon has an idea of course uh they go to see penguin at the club penguin's happy to see them and asks what he can do for them it's more than accommodating um they uh they negotiate and uh you know penguins like what is it what's in it for me and uh he says i will give you five minutes with the files before I touch, as long as he doesn't touch anything it has to do with cops, and plus a favor from Jim Gordon, and that seems to tickle Penguin more than anything else. He's like, "Ooh, a favor from Jim Gordon? Well." Wow. Um. So, Penguin and uh, oh, Fish goes back to the basement basement to rally the troops, and she ends up the uh, sending off uh, two people, including her buddy Kelly in the suit. Uh, one of the prisoners complains that Fish is working for Dollmaker now, but she reminds them that not everyone would live and that these deaths or um, you know want ensure their survival for the many so she kept her promise which oh, is...
1: okay well then yeah, so we're back to the
0: status promised. quo in other words only fishes basically and not the other guy uh, with a knife
1: yeah basically
0: uh, Jim Harvey and penguin go to the, an old big house that was last seen in sin City. On the edge of the (laughs) yeah (laughs) kind of reminded me of of the farm out in sin city you know they meet this kindly old couple there and um they you know they're serving them some tea and cake and uh they uh they come up with the cover story that Loeb sent them there to to set uh security or whatever the old man tells his wife to get the keys and she comes back with a shotgun and her and the old man open fire Uh, harvey shoots the man penguin crawls away and is confronted by the woman but jim shoots her and she falls. And knocks her head, but neither is dead. Gordon hands oh, Penguin the shotgun and tells him to watch while they look around. Huh?
2: That's a tough old lady,
0: isn't he? Oh, we find out even more so later. Yeah. So Penguin holds the shotgun over them while Jim and Harvey uh, go looking around the house and they find out that what they heard earlier that he said were raccoons is actually uh, Loeb's daughter Miriam, who is a little touched in the head, shall we say? A little? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Back in the precincts, Enigma shows up in a suit and gives Miss Kringle flowers and asks her out for dinner. But she demurs because she's dating a beat cop. That seems kind of crass but nice. And he offers uh, Enigma a riddle. And, you know, of course, he solves it in a second. And uh, he calls Enigma Riddle Man. He says, I'll stump him next time. And Enigma throws his flowers in the garbage. Jim and Harvey sit down with Miriam to talk. She explains that she's always lived in the attic. And her father comes to visit on Sundays. They play checkers. And, uh... Let it lets her win she asked them if uh, they want to see the joy that she's made uh, From it turns out it's made from dead starling bones Uh, They land on her window sill and she says if you're really quiet and still like a mouse you can catch them And then she crushes the back of their heads Um, They interrogate her about her mom's death and she kind of she insinuates that uh, Because uh, you know she was supposed to sing at a party or something and her mother wouldn't stop singing She killed her with a candlestick and her dad had covered it up. So, his daughter Murray uh, murdered his wife, and he put her up in this attic out here in the middle of nowhere.
1: This was the part of the episode, though, that I really liked, and I know a lot of people didn't. But I continuing the whole cop corruption thing, and why Loeb is why he it, the way he is, and everything else. I don't know. I just kind of liked it, and you know, there's a lot of stuff the writers really foobarred in this episode, and but I think that the, like, some of the dialogue that was written for Harvey and everything in this episode was very well done. And I, I, I enjoyed seeing this. I mean, she literally creeped me out on the screen. So, you know, I thought it was pretty well done. Yeah, she did play the right bit of creepy.
2: Not, not creepy where I felt like this was an entirely different show creepy, but creepy enough that uh, it, it,
0: it worked it was, it was creepy Gotham. It's like the House of Secrets. He keeps all his files and his murderous daughter all out in this house in the nowhere. I don't yeah, think there one. are
1: files. I think that she's just the big secret and everything else is in, you know, he just knows. And I don't know that he has files.
2: got to be it's...
1: some type of file. Like, if
2: you're going to do this thing of, of putting, getting people to commit a... I mean, it is smart to do that, to get each cop to do something illegal that could have them put away for life. Um it's it's smart if you
0: can do that to get each cop to do that and then you and then you have that evidence of that. Um It just seemed weird it, to me at the end when like Gordon gives uh, Bullock back his file or whatever. Mm-hmm it doesn't seem like it would be like an actual like paperwork file of him murdering someone illicitly. You know what I mean? Like it'd probably be that's, a gun, a gun I mean. with fingerprints on it or, you know, well, something that would incriminate info. him or put him at the scene, you know?
2: Well, maybe that's the, I mean, they can't like, how can you show we have evidence of you doing it? Like they can't do it. Like we have a video thing of you doing it. So like, you know, like this is kind of, this would be, you've done this a while ago. So I like, guess maybe before all that, so the only way I guess would be able to, you'd, you'd have records that, you know, you have fingerprints on a gun and you, and you have the gun. I mean, you, and then you would have the gun somewhere in, in the house, I guess, maybe. I don't know. Maybe if they had said we have the, you know, like I have the weapon, the murder weapon of each person mm-hmm. or something. But then even that will be hard to store for every cop that you <laughs> you get on the force. I mean, that's a lot of information. Right. To have to keep, put, you have to keep somewhere that no one else can get to, but you can get in, you can get your hands on if you need to in case they rebel. Yeah, I think it's hard to do that because now it'd be easy to do all that stuff. You can If you can get a, a video thing of them killing somebody, that's it. You just put it on a file and a file card and you keep it, you know, you keep it on a,
0: you keep the digital
2: file somewhere and that's it.
0: It just seemed weird as there was like blackmail paperwork. Yeah. <laughs>
2: I, think they, I think they were trying to be like, this is the, the you know, this is the crime noir thing, and, and right. we have files. <laughs> That's what we have for you,
0: this file. Uh, the older couple overpowers Penguin and escape. He apologizes to Gordon and asks what Loeb's hiding up there. Um, Penguin says, you know, we had a deal, and I want to look, and just then Miriam comes out. She <laughs> notes that Penguin looks just like a bird and says, I love birds.
2: That's the funniest scene. (laughs) That was the funniest line from the show.
0: Loves them to death by crushing their head. (laughs) So there's a precedent there. Run, Penguin, run. Uh, Gordon goes to see Loeb. He drops one of Miriam's necklaces on the desk. Loeb says Miriam is sick and didn't mean to hurt her mother, but she just has these urges. He says to go ahead and expose him, but Jim says no. Loeb says he'll step down to keep Miriam out of it, and uh, Jim's like, nope. Uh, I'm going to keep you where you are and blackmail you. That's smart. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> He's like, no, don't quit. He says, now. I want Flas prosecuted. Mm-hmm. He's going to send, I want all the stuff on the cops to sent to Harvey for safekeeping, and they'll decide who to prosecute. Loeb says no, because he loves his daughter, but he loves being alive even more, and if he does that, he'll be a dead man. He yep. says no, Jim can have Harvey's file, and that's it. And then Jim <laughs> says there's one more thing, and they cut to a press conference of Loeb endorsing Jim to be the head of the policeman's union. Yeah. job that was supposed to go to Floss.
2: Right.
0: Uh, Jim gives Harvey his file. Harvey tells him, you know, you tell yourself you do this one bad thing and all the good things will make up for it, but they don't. Kind of, you know, foreshadowing him, you know, tells him that Penguin's going to come asking for his favor. He tells Jim to be careful. Yeah. Um, we cut the Penguin drinking from a, a, uh, a rare bottle. Uh, he's, he's with the older couple at the club. He tricked Jim and Harvey. He let them escape the promise of hiding them away in Arizona to keep Loeb from killing them. But he tells him he only has one ticket left, so only one of them can go. Uh, the old man says, we'll be together 20 years, we won't split up. Penguin hmm. says it's the only choice. She asks how he's going to decide he gets the ticket, and Penguin says he's leaving it up to them, at which point she promptly turns on her husband and beats him to death.
2: Sure does. Uh, it was awesome. That was funny. That was, that was a good thing.
0: It reminded me of the tryout scene in Dark Knight, you know.
2: Oh, definitely.
0: How, you, how are you, We only have room for two, so tryouts. Uh, she turns Well,
2: been, well I'm sorry. The no, only one to throw in would have been something if he had kept her as part of his little gang. Yeah. That, I think that they should have did that. I don't think they were thinking that way. But yeah, it would have been... Because she's a grandma. Nobody would expect her to be a killer. Right. But uh, she could get into places like that. You know what? I should I should be a writer on this thing because I definitely yeah. would have did that. I would have had ball. her. I would definitely it, had her on
0: his group. As soon as you uh, saw that Fantastic Four idea we had, I'm saying we sell so that. Yeah, we'll, then we go to Gotham,
2: so fix it up, man.
0: Go to Gotham,
2: man. Because you, because <laughs> you can have her like go into so many different places that no one would notice her because she's you know she's elderly. Right. She could play that elderly card and get things done people die don't you know like yeah totally. so much you can do with that like you don't have to even have to have her on there all every episode but you know when they need to get done
0: the power of Elder woman yeah she's psycho uh, like she killed her yeah. own
2: husband of yeah. how many years like it didn't even it didn't yeah. even, it wasn't even hesitation really you know no hesitation she kind of thought about
0: it for a second and was like okay mm-hmm. <laughs> she then turns yeah. to penguin and asks when the train is He says there isn't Uh one. He just needed her help because he was down to his last shell. And then he pulls his shotgun out and shoots her. Uh, So great. Hmm, hmm, Um, Fish goes to and says he's been thinking about having salsa night at the facility for the guests. Uh, The people who come to buy black market organs. Um, He's proud that she's completed her task and then... uh, he pulls up in a curtain and uh, he says, "Now you understand why there was a little danger of you escaping." And it looks like they pull back this huge CGI shot of that um, way way out uh, to sea from Gotham, which makes no sense whatsoever. Why would you build a hospital on a remote island? Exactly. <laughs> exactly.
2: That's exactly what I'm thinking. Like, like if, if, I if they had p- pan back and this was near Gotham.
0: If they had it's panned the back and it had been Arkham,
2: yes, yeah, something what like that. If there was a little,
0: another level of Arkham where this was yes. all pulled down, you know.
2: Yes, then you, I can see the, the 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 ties to how they're gonna wrap this up. But to put them all the way wherever they are in a remote area like this, I don't get the point. Then what? It's like, what is the point of this for the
0: show? Yep, I agree. I don't. I don't get it. And thus ends this episode, Oh, Gotham. Uh, for me, it was kind of a mixed bag. Like I said, mm-hmm. stuff was really good. Like the the, the Gordon and and, uh, and Penguin and Bullock stuff was good. And then the Dolmacher stuff, I could just totally do without. That's where yeah. I stand on this episode. I just thought it was kind of a, wasn't overwhelmed, wasn't underwhelmed. Just kind of whelmed.
2: Yeah, I'm the same. Uh,
0: at the stuff that I like is what I like for this
2: episode. Like, that's currently always the case, the stuff that I really like about the show. It's the stuff I like in this episode, the stuff that I don't like about the show, it's usually the same thing that I don't like
1: about the Yeah, show. I really liked the continuation of the you know, Harvey Gordon stuff and all of that, and I'm with you, the Fish Mooney and everything else, the Dollmaker, it just it, it it all is a bit it's not that it's over the top or campy it's, it's that it, like you said it just doesn't make sense it just doesn't fit and you know ho- and luckily we're hopefully going to be rid of that soon but um, overall if I were to give the episode a letter grade I'd say a C minus
0: yeah um, it's, it's, you know, it's the same problem we have with tone it's all kind of all over the place and you know figure out what kind of show you want to be Gotham and come back when you do <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the thing like
2: figure out, figure out what it is it's like they have usually in writing staffs they have people that write for different characters and it' feeling like whoever's writing the parts for Fish Mooney it's an it's it's not the same as, as it doesn't fit with what people are doing with the other stuff
1: right so I like don't, they I'm, used to say on Sesame Street one of these things is not like the other. Yeah, exactly. It does not fit. Okay, so, looks like
0: said, kind of a mixed bag on Gotham this week. Do you guys want to do, do news or get into the the uh, the Demon's Quest?
3: We
2: can do
0: news since it goes with DC TV more than the animated. You know, we can do the animated last. Okay. Time. We had some Supergirl news this week. First of all, most importantly, we saw uh, Melissa Benoist in the Supergirl costume. Yes, um, done by uh, the same uh, dr- the same uh, costume designer who does uh, the stuff for Arrow and the Flash. Mm-hmm. And, and
1: I am so happy it's not some ridiculously armored, you know, decked out. It's, it's, it's just it's her in costume.
2: It's, it's just, just her. And God,
1: so, yeah. House of L looking costume,
2: you know and what i like about her is she in real life she is attractive like she can dress up to look very sexy and you like if you look up other pictures you can see that she can be sexy when she when she wants to be but for the most part she's just you know she can be cute and all that without coming off as a sex kit which i don't think
0: Supergirl, she'd be. I was a little worried about that myself. You know, I was wondering if they're going to go with a half-shirt version or, you know, I mean, yeah. the the micro shorts or whatever. I'm. I like this version. It's modest. It makes sense. It mm-hmm. looks good. Um, I I really love it. I really do. Uh, we also got some uh, some casting news on Supergirl. uh to here, uh, Fah- probably best known from I the original Iron Man, as uh, as you know, we we thought he was the Mandarin. It turned out not to be. Do you remember the guy I'm talking yeah. about? The terrorist that, that takes Tony Stark in the beginning? Oh, uh, yeah. Remember the, the, the Ten Rings? Uh, he will be playing the commander. Uh, he's joined the cast and is in the pilot as well. That started shooting this week, and we got to see the, the first uh, um, clapboard from the shooting of Supergirl as well. So it's well underway. It's also been uh, announced on the CBS slate of pilots for 2015. So Right. It's, uh, it's definitely going to be a thing. Hopefully it'll be all a, in, a good man. thing. <laughs>
2: me too. I it just it still feels so strange for me to see a superhero show, a mainstream superhero show on CBS. Like that still seems like the last place I would think to see something like that uh, because it's just it just so much older television. Like they just don't do stuff like that. It's a right. rarity.
0: And also so, uh, another Supergirl tidbit, uh, keeping with uh, the Flash. Uh, casting John Wesley Shipp in in the new version of the Flash, uh, the Supergirl, uh, the new Supergirl show will be featuring Dean Cain, uh, who played, of course, Superman in the Adventures of Lois and Clark, and Helen Slater, who played Supergirl in the Supergirl movie, All right. uh, which is no great shakes. She was a pretty decent Supergirl in it. it it's cool. Well, that I, it's cool that they're paying uh, fan service, you know, to the older uh, actors and stuff.
1: I think it'd be cool if they fit Vandervoort in somewhere. You know, mm. a cameo as well.
0: From uh, the Supergirl from uh, Smallville. Yeah.
2: Now that, now that version, she's, she's a sex
0: bot. Right.
1: Like she would be well, glad... very sexy. Hmm? Yeah, like you said, I, I'm glad that this one isn't going to go that route. At least it doesn't seem like it. Because, I mean, isn't she supposed to be like 17 years old or something <laughs> like that? Or the equivalent well, of, you know? I don't I want them to turn it 18. into some... Yeah, you know, I just say I don't want it to be some sex, you know, drawn in show. And and you know, CBS isn't very well. You know, they're not ones to really do that. But you know, who knows? But the fact that it's the same production that's behind Flash and Arrow, I would say eighteen. I get get think she will, maybe she's eighteen or you know. Well, I
0: mean, be- plus the way they've been uh, they've been um, promoting this, they almost uh, promoting it like a uh, like a Buffy or Veronica Mars. Mm-hmm. A type character, a smart, capable female right. character, not, you know, someone who relies on her sex appeal yeah. or whatever. So, she has a good if they were relationship
2: to... with her mother, you know, yeah. like they have the thing where her foster mother is kind of going, they even describe it as a, as a, um, kind of like Clark had, uh, Clark Kent had with his father in Smallville. Like that was right. the good parts of Smallville was
0: the relationship that they both had. So I mean, oh, dressing okay. her up all, all like uh, you know, sexified or whatever, uh, would really not fit with that kind of character. I don't think. And I think mm-hmm. this costume kind of does. It just seems very practical, flattering, but like very iconic, and it looks great. I'm, I'm really happy with. Yeah, it,
2: it says, reminds me more of it. It reminds me more of the Flash. The way they're setting this up reminds me more of how the Flash series is than anything else. Right. And, you know, giving her those those support. That support system you know having a she's never had a, a sister like they gave her a foster you know her a, a, um, foster sister and you know like she, she has that and she'll have friends and you know that like they're really trying to
0: plus you know going. I mean everybody knows the backstory of Superman you know Jonathan mm-hmm. Martha Kent, and the Daily Planet and Lois Lane and Jimmy Olsen and everything Supergirl is a little less well-known, you know, it's a little less, I mean, yeah. you know, she's Linda Danvers in real life, and, like, her her surrounding cast or whatever, her, um, really has kind of, has changed so much over the years that there really isn't, like, one cemented, you know, continuity, so. Yep. Pretty sweet. Uh, is Thea Queen going to get her mask and be speedy? Signs point to yes. We saw a picture this week that she tweeted out of her getting the latex treatment that they put on your face for a mask, uh, like we said. She has to
2: atone. She has to atone for the for the murder,
0: and uh, she's got the training now. Yeah,
2: and she looks better. She looks like she's more comfortable doing fight scenes than I would have thought she did. You know, like we've seen her do quite a few now um, without mask or any costume. You know, just doing training uh, sequences and stuff, and she looks a little comfortable. Like they, she really has been practicing.
0: Yeah, she looks more comfortable than Laurel yeah. does. She does.
2: Yeah, I didn't right, even say it again. I don't, don't want to go down that road I don't, again. But, I, don't. I mean, But it's true, though. That, it like an actor, true. you can tell that she does look more comfortable doing those action scenes, which I was surprised at because I have never seen her in anything um, action-oriented before. Right. Uh, like Laurel, she's been in. Sarah, she, as an actor, she actress, she's been in. Uh, dancing, dance movies, and and action films. Like she's actually had training already for doing stuff like that. So it, you expect her to be able to to handle that type of stuff. But um, so with Thea, it just it just surprised me how she's taken to it. So maybe she has a background in it, and it just didn't didn't notice.
0: Uh, we got uh, cast. We got Lucius Fox in Gotham. Yeah. Uh, Chris Chalk from 12 Years a Slave in the Newsroom. It's going to be a uh, good actor, man. Good actor.
1: Definitely a good actor.
0: And then we got some Suicide Squad news this week as well. The uh, the actors are arriving on the set. Cara Delavine, who's playing Enchantress, uh, tweeted from the set and said that this movie will, quote, literally blow your brains out, unquote.
2: <laughs> I like her I don't look, think like
0: her English it. is very good. So.
2: No. I like her look. Like Yes,
0: she, she has a great look for Enchantress. Yes. I really do like her look. Kind of very hot, uh, 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 rusting bitchy face.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> she, she, totally,
0: <laughs> totally. It's like very smoldering, but kind of still rusting bitchy face, you know.
2: Totally, like I, I keep staring at you, and then she'll kill you. She'll let you look at her long enough, and then she'll murder you. This has been the most in the DC side of movies. The, the, the most active in social media. Like usually, you don't, you don't get much of that. For the
0: yeah, you're right. There's been almost nothing from Batman or Superman, Batman.
2: Even with the Nolan stuff, you didn't get much, you right? Because remember, Nolan was kind of, you know, he clamped down on that too much. He didn't, he didn't want actors and stuff to to reveal too much about it. And on the Marvel side, they're more, more. Um, I think that they encourage them more to do that to to kind of get the audience excited about the, the movies, which I think it helps. Mm-hmm. and maybe they're taking a page from that and they're like you know maybe we 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 should do encourage actors and stuff that and the director the director seems to be in it like really really and he wrote uh, the
0: screenplay Andy's and he's directing it it's David Ayer who like you know did the first fast and the furious movie did Fury, he's done like some and movie, he, good movies and
2: yeah and he understands i think he understands that you that it's good to um to kind of use you can use social media to to really you know, hype your show, you know. Hype the movie you're doing. Doesn't have to hurt it. Like there's some that are old school think that think that you shouldn't say anything until it comes out. But uh, I think well, it's a good but, you thing. You
1: know, the old school thought of it though is, you know, if you think even pre just pre internet, you know, I'm thinking back to like 1989's Batman. You know, we got tidbits that came out through like Log magazine or something like that, and little bits on entertainment tonight and stuff like that, you know, there, that, that was how you marketed. And then you had, you know, your partnerships with like McDonald's and stuff like that, that you got the, the marketing out there as, the yeah, it's all about to release
2: really, staged and, you know, yeah, you know, when you have
1: so, but today's world, social media is, is the large chunk of not just, I mean, not just from a marketing standpoint, I mean, everybody that is, you know, functional in the modern world is at least on Facebook, if not Twitter and Instagram. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the, you know, and and one thing that America has is its obsession with stars and movie stars. And, you know, you get these people, they'll they'll tweet back at you or something like that. You're suddenly excited. That's just more and more people following, you know, the social media for, for that actor, you got to take advantage of that, you know, and I mean, there are whole, you know, sections of advertising firms and marketing firms and all that now that that they're that, that that division, their whole purpose is social media. So, you know, I that I have to agree. I mean, that's the thing is like leading up to the Man of Steel movie coming out, you know, there was lots of the old school marketing out there, but it wasn't it as involved yeah, on nice social that, media, yeah. other than like, you know, that's, here's your trailer, you know. Here's, here's and the thing though,
0: suicide, I mean, people know who Superman is, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't have to promote Superman on social media for people to get an idea of, of who it is, um, but Suicide Squad, not so much, and it's more of a Guardians of the Galaxy right. type situation where, I mean, they're going to use social media more for people to get more of an idea of what Suicide Squad is, you know, right. Before before it happens. I mean, like I said, people know who, you know, what a Batman v Superman movie is, you know what I mean? Before, you know, you tell them they, tell them they have an idea who Batman and Superman is. But main, you know, normal person on the street doesn't know who Deadshot is, or Enchantress, or any of these characters. And, um, you know, I think using social media like this is going to be like the grassroots kind of thing, the way Guardians did, to kind of get that, you know, message out there of you know, who these characters are to people who wouldn't normally know who they were, so.
1: This is their one chance, because they, you know like you said, people know Batman and Superman and all that, but DC, Warner Brothers has kind of let the DC fans down a little bit, you know, with, with the Green Lantern movie and, you know, they're just there's been a lot of uh, inconsistency that comes out of the Warner Brothers studios for the DC properties, but um, they need to earn that trust that Marvel Studios earned of their fans with Iron Man and, and Guardians of the Galaxy and things like that, and this is their chance, and if they screw up Suicide Squad, then that's going to pretty much, you know, be a domino effect for all their films they have planned over the next four or five years. But but know.
0: if they're successful and they hit it out of the park with Suicide Squad, and it's coming off the buzz, I mean, you got to realize Batman v Superman is going to come out in the early part of that summer. Suicide yeah. Squad's coming out the late part of that right. summer. So if Batman v Superman has a lot of buzz and it takes it over to Suicide Squad this would be a good way for them to segue into a Joker movie. This would be a good way to use, to seed villains for the rest of their DC movies coming out. This is a good way for them to cement these characters that could be, you know, like Coulson type characters or Nick Fury type characters in the background of all the DC movies as going forward, you know, rather than being the, the, you know, front and center play player uh, character, you know? So, I mean, this could be a huge groundswell for them as far as setting up the continuity of the, you know, the new DC cinematic universe.
2: See, that? and I mean, it, not so much... Tr- I mean, you know, the trust thing will be whether you like it or not. But but I think that they need to open up the door a little bit and let people see what's going on. And just include people in on on production a little bit more, which mm-hmm. is not... Because Snyder, Zack Snyder, and one big problem with Zack Snyder is he is not
0: good with communicating. And uh, he is not good with promotion. Well, I think he kind of got burned by Watchmen. He did a crap load of promotion for watching. He did,
2: but you like you gotta get over the bitter like you got look, Stepper, you gotta you gotta suck it up. Like yeah. get over it. Like you can't you Mind can't is, yeah. come out bitter um because of that. It's too bad. People didn't like it. Oh well, get over it. You got a big check and you're okay. Like nobody nobody murdered you. You just the movie wasn't well received as others. That's fine. But when you're doing like when you're supposed to be the the guy that's steering the 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 ship of these bunch of movies you just can't sit on it you just can't sit on it being that it's superman and batman even though you know more most people know superman batman for the most part but you just can't be let you can't just sit on that and be like that's all you need to do you kind of need to to um they need, a a of, they need to build a world. Yeah, they need to build a world the way Marvel you, you did. You need a you know? dialogue. You need a dialogue with people. That, you know, like there are movie people that want to, there, there, there are potential movie viewers, there are potential ticket buyers that are everywhere, internationally as well. And you just can't be the the frat guy who comes out just to say, my movie's going to be great and that, and then walk away and drop the mic. It's That's not enough. <laughs> you know like you like with suicide squad where the way this director is doing love it hey uh night nice, let's do a nice little picture you come in on set of enchantress most people don't even know who the heck enchantress is for the most part but it's just a fun way to to have to take a picture and show that like oh okay all right they're getting into it uh, Lido leto talking about joker even though Joker is well known, but still, like he knows that there are people that that are in love with the the previous Joker, and he's going to have to, you know, get past that. He's going to have to win people over past that and be his own type of Joker. So it's good to do that. Like have, and I hope Will Smith and and Margot uh, Margot Margot Robbie. Um, I hope that they Margot Robbie. I hope that they both. Do their own little things here and there. Like they talk about it in a fun way. So far, she does. She really, you know, seems to, when she's talking about it, she doesn't talk about it like a throwaway thing. Like she's talking about it like she's excited and she's glad that Will, because they know each other now, she's excited. She was really uh, glad that Will signed on to do it too. And that, you know, that makes it fun for her. And then when you hear uh, um the other woman from How to get Away with Murder, who is, playing uh, viola davis viola davis when she started talking about it now that everything is signed and ready to go like you need that type of interaction like it, it the old days of you just being great you know you just being a good actor and just going on about your day those days are over like you like this is you like you have to be more involved you have to talk to people you have to communicate and i think that that's a big problem with the with the DC movie side is that they don't well, have enough ambassadors to do that 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 think about that before they they talk or they do stuff you know you, you got to have fun people coming in you got to have people that are talking to people you like i've seen nothing of i've never seen henry cavill like just talk about being a superman besides he's been interviewed but i haven't seen anything of him Besides that, where he's talking about it, and a lot of that stuff is not just on the actors; that's the studios too. Like you have to put them in good positions to do stuff like that, and they, they need to. I think they need to do
1: that. Well, and the other thing too is, in, to your point, is when people have fun with something they're doing and they show it, it it gives, especially in the entertainment industry, it gives the audience, the customer a better feeling going into something. I mean, the fact that, you know, that I see these actors having fun and maybe it's just me because I like the whole process of making film and all that stuff. But, you know, if they're having fun with all the stuff, the, you know, coming on set and costume and, things like that, that just gets you more excited as a consumer that, you know, hey, this isn't just a bunch of people that are doing a job. They're doing a job, and they're loving doing that job. And that's going to come through on screen.
0: Okay, well, that's, uh, that's the news I've got. Uh, let's let's skip to um, Demon's Quest Part 1 and 2, a two-parter from the Batman animated series beginning in 1992. This is from the first season of the Batman animated series, but it was a... Uh, I believe it was like a 62-episode season. it was a yeah, fairly it was long. something like that. The mm-hmm. the next the next 20 episodes were produced while those were still in rotation. Right. So uh, the first season, you know, is very, very long, but this came out in 93. Written by Denny O'Neill. Yeah, led, uh, ba- Denny O'Neill. Based on his own comic book stories, Daughter of the Demon and the Demon Lives Again, mm-hmm. uh, in which, you know, he kind of, him and Neil Adams created uh, Ra's al Ghul back in the day. And, uh, the second part of this, the teleplay was worked on by Len Wein, who's also, you know, a comics royalty. I mean, man created Wolverine, uh, he edited Watchmen, uh, right. just like, you know, an insane amount of, uh, uh, comic cred there. But the reason we, uh... The reason we we went with this and tried to and pick this is because there are quite a few story beats here that are ending up in Arrow, especially the part about Rachel Ghoul looking for a successor, which was also in the original right. comic.
2: Yeah, this whole thing was like the, the the whole thing of him needing an heir because of, you know him hating the way the world is going and him wanting to change it. It, it sounds Batman esque. In the beginning, like you, we share several goals. Like you would hope, you would. The tragedy is that you wish Roz was was a better man, because he does have the resources to do a lot of good.
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting too yeah. that you have a character like Rachel Ghul, and I gotta say, man, David Warner ruined me for all other portrayals of Rachel Ghul. Like that, you know, detective. You know that yes. whole. I mean, yeah. even when I see yeah. Liam Neeson. Or the guy they have on error or whatever. It just I when I think of Rachel gould I think of this version. I think of David Warner's voice, um,
2: charismatic and yeah. calm and almost fatherly. Like like he he comes off as the yeah as a father to a calm father, not the. And then his voice can turn into the stern, <laughs> the stern father, and then he can go into the the sinister, uh, evil villain.
0: Then we also see him, you know, in the crazed part too, when he comes out of the Lazarus pit at that one point in the episode, the laugh. Yeah. That like kind of maniacal look that. in his face and his eyes. Uh, just real quickly to run down in, in case, you know, people don't know for sure. Um, I mean, I, I know, and I know you guys probably know, but, uh, Kevin Conroy, of course, the legendary, the legend as uh, Batman, uh, still my Batman. Sorry, Christian Bale. Sorry, everyone else. <laughs> Kevin, after especially after I met the man at, at New York Comic Con and, and got to interview him and talk to him, and just he's my Batman. I'm sorry, uh, Lauren Lester as Robin, who you know voiced Robin in Nightwing all through the, the Batman animated series. Helen mm-hmm. Slater as Talia Al Ghul here. Uh, oh, the design for her man was so sexy
2: as an animated. Like, oh yeah, the way they did the design yeah. of, of that character—it's a throwback too—the way mm-hmm. the animation is.
0: Well, like I, something I, I I you know I know in the back of my mind, but I was totally reminded of going back to watch these episodes is how cool the animated series was. Mm-hmm. Uh, just the look of it, like you said, Daryl, the, the kind of throwback style that noir style. Um, the the I mean, look at the way they drew Catwoman or or, or Talia al Ghul, you know, the very like uh, bombshell, you know, fifties right. va va voom yeah. look, rather than you know the
2: the not the, the mannequins that we yeah. have now, like the yes. more skinny, streamlined is the way they do the animation now, but back then it was, you know, a little bit more curvaceous. and.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's, well, it's,
1: and now it's all done computer and everything like that. I mean, and, and watching this, that just takes you back to how good cell animation can be. And I mean, yeah. the fact that their backgrounds that they did for the, the cell animation they used a black paper rather than, you know, your standard white background and then built from that, that helped give it that really good, dark noir look and feel to it. But I mean, on top of that, just, you know, the way, the way cell animation moves is so much, so much better than the computer. Now the computer obviously is more efficient, cost effective and all that, but I mean, nothing beats cell animation and watching, Going back and watching these episodes, like you said, Jim, it just it, it, it takes you back to those days. And such great work. I mean, you look at the opening sequence, and when he's on that rooftop at the opening sequence, and the lightning striking, and the way the lighting effects from that on, that, on the animation are, I mean, that that's some pretty, pretty wild stuff for 1993. Just so well, you know. especially
0: for a kid's cartoon. You know what I mean? Right. And this is like a Saturday morning uh, kid's afternoon, you know, weekday afternoon kid's cartoon. I mean, it gets really dark and adult, some adult themes going on for being a kid's cartoon. And I got personally, I had gotten out of comics, I think about 89 or so uh, with the advent of like the foil covers and the uh, holograms and and all this other stuff. Um, This series, Batman animated series and the Superman animated series are what got me back into loving comics and loving the characters. Um, I kind of, I, uh, I ended up uh, collecting the Batman animated series, uh, comic book as well as the Superman animated series comic book, because I was so enamored of the way they took everything cool about Batman from all the different eras, you know, the thirties mm-hmm. and, you know, they even had a little touch of silver age goofiness every once in a while. Um, but not enough that it, it took the story off, off of balance, you know, um, it basically they took like the best parts of, of all the different Batman and just kind of, Condensed it down into his essence, and then went from there. And I really appreciated that approach. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Superman, the Superman animated series, which I think is really underrated by a lot of people. Um, they they took what worked about I... Superman and and you know and took all the basic ingredients mm-hmm. and took away what didn't work and kind of uh, took that extemporaneous stuff out and just took you know the basic essence of what makes that character work and 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 went with it. And, and you know, and it's, it's it's an easy formula, but it's also the same formula that Marvel uses for its movies, you know, yeah. find out what works about the character, what has resonated about this character since its creation, you know, many decades ago. Find out what what makes that character tick, why why, you know, why readers identify with it, and then bring that to a movie audience so they identify for the same reasons. You know, right. I mean, look at you know, like I said, Captain America, or the Thor movie, or, or whatever. That's the approach they've taken, and I think it's super smart to do that rather than trying to and you know we talked about the green lantern movie before but trying to settle a movie with a whole bunch of info dump and continuity and everything like that you know it's just much much better that i feel to simplify you know start with a simple base and then complicated going out which you know batman the animated series did and you know justice league the animated series and the marvel movies or whatever rather than try to be you know have it all there jammed into one movie The way Green Lantern did, you know, that was one of my problems with Green Lantern, um, that, you know, just tried to jam too much information without, you know, just distilling the core of the character, you know, that was a bit of a rant, I I know, but I just wanted to impress upon everybody, like, how much this series means to me, you know, like, the whole Tim verse, you know, superhero thing got me back into comics, I would never, I wouldn't be here talking on this podcast if I had, if it weren't for these cartoons, so.
1: Well, and much to your point about the era when this came out, I mean, yeah. I, now, I was still collecting comics, but it was certain titles. Like, I've, I've always picked up Spider-Man, always Fantastic Four, always Batman. You know, there were still a few titles that I picked up just because I wasn't going to, uh, you know, break the story and the, the run I had. But, with that said, I did get out of a lot of, you know prior to 1992 I'd say you know I was buying comics left and right reading everything I could get my hands on and all that but then when they started all the we're gonna um have five different covers of this and get the chromium one and we're gonna produce like 150,000 copies but tell you it's a collector's edition and charge you three dollars extra all that kind of stuff yeah that took me out of comics but it wasn't so much that this brought me back into comics like it did you. It, this supplemented the things that I missed from the way comics used to be at that time.
0: Yeah, it reminded the, me of what I loved about the characters to begin with rather than
1: right, you know, the, right. the
0: versions that didn't. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well I I never dropped them either, but I but I always books I always stayed with were Batman, Superman, Spider Man, X Men, stuff like that. So I always I never dropped those books. So the card the animation stuff was just was just icing on the cake. I mean, I Right. I just got a kick out of that. I mean, I love the uh the Batman stuff and, and followed all of that, all the way the every incarnation of Batman uh, you know, I followed all the way through. Because that world, I mean, everything from Justice League Unlimited, they, they still counted the stuff from this world, from this anime mm, it, was like, it was all one story. All, all one story. So it just stayed I just stayed with it and it is good to do that. Like you do need to streamline. You do need to to keep it simple in the beginning, and then you can build something very good as you move forward. As you as you go forward, you can you can add I mean, stuff to the mythos.
0: Another really underrated, you know, um, uh, entry into this series or whatever was the Batman Superman movie where they first first meet. Oh yeah, that cool. was incredibly well done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There all the uh, scenes were where Superman realizes that he needs Batman as an ally and Batman begrudgingly mm-hmm. realizes that he could use Superman as an ally. And, um, you know, the jet, the Joker and Lex, uh, crossing mm-hmm. over him. And I, I love the scene where he's like, you know, in, in that where he's like, yeah, you know, thank you. I couldn't have saved Lois without my help. And Batman's like, I'm aware of that. Uh, even yeah. when you <laughs> meet you know, Lois Batman, falling
2: for Bruce Wayne, you know? Yeah. When you first meet Batman, when Batman first meets Superman and he flips him and he's like, are you crazy? I'm yeah. Kryptonian!" like, it, but that's Batman, like, Batman was testing his limits to see what he could do, like, constantly looking at him to see how fast he reacted to things, you know, how quick was he, how smart was he, like, that it showed the differences between them, and then slowly as the, as the movie progressed, because it was a movie, mm-hmm. <laughs> the way it was done, it was a movie, it kind of, the bond between the two kind of grew from that, and it... uh yeah, it was something. It was smarter, I mean, you know, having Bruce come in and and freaking date um Lois Lois to the
0: point and, where and they were serious. So, like Right, and, and she, then Batman and Superman are, are meeting. and he's like, you know, it, it's uh it, it, she loves you and she loves me. It's just Batman and Clark she can't deal.
3: With.
0: Yeah, I
2: mean, <laughs> that, was, that was pretty smart. Like she couldn't deal with the darkness part, the dark parts of him. Um it sets it up for the Superman stuff. Like it, it really sets it up for that. Mm. But, but uh, yeah, it worked. It worked so it worked so well. I mean, you got enough of Robin. You got, you know, like he used the thing that was important to Batman. He he kidnapped Robin
0: first, right? Well, and the story of the Demon's Quest, pretty pretty uh, simple. Um, Batman uh, uh, gets a letter with a photo inside with Robin uh, tied up and been kidnapped. Uh, Ra's al Ghul just walked right into the Batcave, giving zero f***s. And yes, I'll bleep mm-hmm. that out. Um, saying uh, his <laughs> daughter uh, has been kidnapped by the same people, they, that possibly they should join forces to try to find them. Through various many death traps, they do find them, and it turns out it's all been a ruse um, for Ra's al Ghul to kind of test Batman's metal, and because he wants Batman to take over as the new Ra's al Ghul, which is where the arrow is right now. You know, uh, Rachel Gold wants Oliver Queen to take over for him, the leader that's the head of the League of Assassins.
1: Um, Which rewatching this made me. I mean, it's so. I mean, there are scenes in Arrow that episode of Arrow that they're almost lifted exactly out of this. I mean, like even where people were standing in the scene, you know, it just it yeah. was obvious where it came from. Yeah.
0: How plus, I mean,
1: that yeah, big the no, big
0: room. Well, it's funny the big room where they have Robin chained up, uh-huh. um, uh, almost like like Rich says, is almost like exactly the way they have Merlin chained up in a room, and trap him, you know, uh, that way. So yeah, there's a lot lot yep. lifted from this.
2: Him being so smart to figure out who he was, that was a big deal back then, especially. Oh yeah. That he knew he was Bruce Wayne. That was a secret that he held very closely. I mean, they don't do that as much in comic books anymore, like, or I mean, in, in the comic book movies, it's not as important to them
0: to hide that identity anymore. Well, I remember reading the comic when I was a kid and thinking, <laughs> "He knows Batman's identity. Oh my god, right, he's yeah. gonna ruin everything. He's gonna tell everyone, and he doesn't because yeah. he just doesn't yeah. care. It doesn't affect him, you know, whether he's dressed as a bat or not." So, it's right. but yeah, it was a huge deal. deal. It was a huge deal here in the story too.
2: Dude knows your secret identity like he could come at you from anywhere and he never like and that's the used to be the constant like this guy is out there in the world and he knows your secrets you can't kill him you can't stop him like you can't end Roz but you have that grudging respect for each other like you know even times when he when they had to work together like there, there was that it was that part of Roz he saw he saw that kindred spirit in Bruce.
0: Yeah, I mean he's he's obviously you know, you know the physical and mental peak as Ross feels he is. You know they they both uh, want justice. It's just they go about it different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean it's definitely definitely like I said, lots of parallels to Arrow. Uh, in the cartoon, though, uh, Batman of course says no way. Jose uh, gets left in a death trap with Talia because Talia was being used as you know just to kind of sweeten the deal. Um, yeah. um, Race goes into a uh, um, or they escape. Uh, they find Raish going into a Lazarus pit and, uh, you know, attacking Talia, and, and Batman saves Talia from being, like, kind of, you know, killed by her own father, and then Talia ends up smacking Raish a couple times and kind of smacks him out of it. Um, the uh, whole Lazarus place collapses around them, him and, him and, he and Robin escape, uh, with only the clue Orpheus uh, to go on. They, uh, luckily, there's a Wayne Enterprises right there in uh, in that part of the world, <laughs> which I thought was funny. And they pan it over to the, the exotic city, and there's Wayne Enterprises. And so they look it up on the computer, and it turns out Orpheus is a plan that... What is, a computer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just typed in Orpheus, and boom, and everything they needed was right there. It's great. Wow. Um, and this
1: was pre-Google.
0: Oh, yeah. Way, way pre-Google. Turns out there's a satellite in orbit called Orpheus. Rachel uh, Rachel is using it to uh, trigger a bunch of bombs that are going to fall into every Lazarus pit in the world. And give, turn the world into a new uh, lush paradise, tropical paradise, with like much, much fewer humans on it. So basically, he's going to destroy the world to remake it. And he and Robin, with the help of Talia, are able to stop the plan of Ra's al Ghul. escapes, seemingly dead, but of course, you know, he turns up later in the series because you know, no death, no body, or no body, no death, as we always say. And uh, that's it. Now, in the original comic. Batman does sleep with Talia. It's like the one, I think, well, I mean, since they've, you know, it's been canon, they slept with Catwoman or whatever. Right? But back in the day, he was like the one, she was like the one woman drugged. he had ever been with. And then and, that, and remember
2: that, he was, I
0: remember he was drugged, too. And he was know. drugged, although I don't know why you'd have to be with Talia. To look at I don't stuff. know. I would be like, give and me it's that coolie. That, that was when, uh, when and where Damien Wayne was conceived. Uh, Who's was becoming a major, i a brown cat Major player in in, uh, in DCU continuity since, so like I said, lots of lots of parallels here for Arrow and Batman. I mean, I know we've been it's become almost like a cliche for us to say, but you know, Flash is Superman, Arrow, Batman in that universe, and it pretty much you know is held true. And if this doesn't prove it, them lifting the storyline you know directly from Batman, then I don't know what does really.
1: And we're not saying that as a complaint because it's no. totally working. May totally I'm, work.
0: I'm totally fine with it. I'm just saying, you know, it's just, you know, it, it, it's cool that we're getting a Batman series, without it being a Batman series. You know what I mean?
3: Yeah,
0: right. Yeah. Mean, we all kind of know it, but you know, it's not, you know, uh, official or whatever. So yeah, and we enjoyed. Yeah, oh yeah, we for the most part, Arrow's been pretty good this season. Not that it hasn't been all, all you know, all roses or whatever, but you know, it's it's Lore. definitely, yeah. Well. Hmm. Yeah. Well, there
2: other stuff too.
0: I mean, there are a few other things there too besides floral oh, that have been lacking. So, I,
3: yeah,
0: but we've talked about that in other episodes. If there's nothing else, then I think we're going to go ahead and head out. Thanks again for joining us for the DCTV podcast. We have a Facebook group. Please join it. It's the DCTV Podcast Facebook group. Oddly enough, uh, keep everything simple and streamlined. You know, join our group. We have a lot of great new uh, all the news that we cover. It pops up there. We have good discussion storylines there. We have uh, you know pictures and all kinds of great stuff. Uh, you can leave us your comments there on DC TV shows, and we will read them on the air. Uh, it's all the DC TV podcast Facebook group. Please join it. Uh, you will not regret your decision. And if you like Geeky TV, and I imagine you do because we're about an hour and a half into this show and you've been listening so far, then by all means, head on over to the HHWLOD Media Network, catch some mm-hmm. more of our great podcasts, including the, the Walking Dead TV podcast, the It's mm-hmm. All Connected podcast, uh, which deals with the Marvel Studios output, both television and movies and how they're all connected, uh, the Ichapod Crane cast. Uh, we also have the Whedonverse cast, which uh, the Clairvoyant and Mr. Universe are chronologically going through everything Joss Whedon has ever done on television and film, one show at a time. So if you're a Whedon head, that is definitely also for you. It's a very entertaining show as well. We got uh, Jersey Shore with uh, with the Jersey Jordan himself. Uh, we have all uh, kinds of great shows there. On the, uh, we have Out Now with Erin and Abe reviewing all of your you know movies that are fresh in the theaters. Uh, Aaron was on the show last week uh, You definitely want to check that out if you're going out to the movies Before you do because they have really good uh, Aaron Dyke, uh Reviews and critiques on those movies uh, So com Is the place you want to go to catch all that Give us an iTunes review What does it hurt? What does it bother you? How does it, you know, it's a minute out of your day Go on to iTunes, give us a review Give us all the stars that you're allowed um, We really appreciate it because that's how The word of mouth gets out about the show, and uh, if you once you have exhausted all those possibilities of geeky goodness and podcasting, then by all means go to the Taylor Network of Podcasts dot com, led by the man himself, Mister Daryl Taylor, and you will find all kinds of geeky podcasts there, including No Apologies, the comic book podcast that takes no prisoners. Um, we also have uh, Hanging out, or Happy Hour with J.K. J.K.'s Happy Hour with uh, J.K. Woodward, really really talented artist, uh, Wade's World, uh, Martheus Wade as an independent artist, working with his wife and his kid, uh, making his way with Shinobi Ninja Princess, and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, We also have uh, Arts and Crap, covering all your scone movies, although you guys talked about The Affair on Showtime last time, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The Comic Rack Snark Fest, where the ladies of uh, snarkiness and the mistress of hate uh, bring, bring their goodness to the podcasting world. Uh, all kinds of great podcasting possibilities there There's also nothing's on which uh, Daryl and myself and Donnie salvo talk about even more TV than what we talk about here on DC TV if that is possible um, so definitely check all those out com. So gentlemen, until next week we are ghost Bye-bye. Bye lambs
3: naked The world is soft and warm gives off some kind of heat. A salamander scurries into flame to be destroyed. Imaginary creatures are trapped in birth on celluloid. The fleas cling to the golden fleece, hoping they'll find peace. Each thought and gesture a garden light, There's no hiding in the memory There's no room to avoid The crawlers cover the floor In the Red Oak Corridor For my second sight of people They've more lifeblood than before